The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today, expert knowledge is so highly valued that we learn to lead first as the expert whose mastery of the details helps teams solve problems. Eventually, as your leadership role expands, expert leaders find themselves in a role where others know more. Details are no longer so accessible, and decisions are made without a full understanding. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. It's time to find out how to make the transformation smooth and flawless. Now, here is Dr. Wanda Wallace. Welcome to the show. This is Wanda Wallace. Today, we are talking about communication, perhaps the most critical thing to get right because it's the basis for trust, for confidence, for followership, for influence, well, just about for everything. But this isn't a show on communication per se in general. It's really about a conversations in tough times. So when trust is not so high, when emotions are running wild, when there's tension, when the stakes are high. And later, we're going to take that to a different kind of stakes when we talk about how to engage the senior most leader in the company, the CEO. With me today is a very special guest, Ray Thompson. Ray is a principal at WPNT Communications, a global communications training program. He's had the privilege of working with some very special people around the world, from Americas, Asia, Africa, Europe, Middle and East. Um, he works with business leaders, government officials, political candidates, national journalists. He helps people do roadshows, crisis response, appear on TV, and testify before government bodies, just to name a few things. Ray, welcome to the show. And thanks a lot, uh, Wanda. I'm a fan of the show, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. All right, so Ray, let's start with communication when there's emotion at play. So maybe you're sitting in a meeting, that peer doesn't trust you, maybe they totally disagree with you, maybe they don't even believe you, and they definitely want a different outcome than what you're driving for. So you're in the meeting, and that peer's communication is coming at you in maybe in a hostile way and certainly in a very aggressive way. How do you deal with that situation? What do you do, and more importantly, what do you not do? Well, it's a, a setting we've probably all been in, and oftentimes the person who's lobbing these tough questions at you, they may or may not be your real audience. You may be sitting in a room where there's peers, but also senior managers or executives who are watching this go on. And uh, our first advice is really think about empathy here. Sometimes the best way to disarm your adversary is to embrace them. And when we work with folks on styles of handling hostile or emotional questions, we start with an understanding of what's the underlying issue or the emotion within the question. So you hear, you know, phrases like, hey, Sam, I can see you have real strong feelings about this. Or, you know, what I hear in your question, Susan, is a real concern about, and I'm a, we would recommend you speak to the emotion, the anger, the concern, then respond to the question. 
and we further teach ways to pivot back and get to your messages. But don't meet anger with anger. Okay, so Sam throws at me a question that just gets under my skin. How am I supposed to constrain myself at that moment and not respond in kind? Sure. Well, this is another value of this empathy model of, you know, before I respond to Sam's question. So maybe the question is, you know, you're working in an accounting setting and he's challenging uh, the figures that you're, the validity of the figures you're putting forward. And so his question is, hey, Ray, I don't know that you've really done your homework here. I, I think some of these figures are wrong. I'm looking at uh, slide 11 here on the second column, uh, the fourth number down. I don't think that's a net figure. I'm not sure you got this right. Well, a couple of paths you can take there, but what... It, our counsel is, hey, uh, first, thanks for the question. And, you know, w- these figures need to be right. There's a lot based on these figures. And I think we all can agree it's critical that we have accurate information to make and base decisions on. Um, now, the short answer is you're right. That is a net figure. And let's not let that be a distraction. There, there are net columns and gross columns. And, you know, it may very well be that uh, in the putting the slides together, we did get that figure wrong, if that's the case. Own it. I also, though, want to point out the reason we put these figures together, the purpose of this slide presentation, now I'm pivoting, the purpose of this slide presentation is really to get senior leadership to have the visibility into the business, the transparency of how we're doing. And it's that visibility that we think leads us to the conclusion that we're bringing forward in this presentation. We've got to make changes in the way our department operates. So So in that case, I've dealt with some of Sam's anger, but I've also returned to the prime directive of the meeting, which is something other than Sam attacking me. (laughs) <laughs> that depends upon you versus Sam. Um, all right, so the the point here then is to either acknowledge the emotion, acknowledge the concern, um, draw something that you agree on, like we agree that this is important to have it right. Anything that's uh, co- almost uncommon with Sam, and then to pivot to your main point, which mis- just means to go, the reason we have these figures, the reason we need transparency. Mm-hmm. Okay? And in some ways, it's almost like you sidestep the real challenge. Is that what you're doing? Well, I don't want to be the politician that won't answer the question. Your credibility is precious and finite. You've got to hold on to that. So we, all of our suggested counsel around managing questions, and we've got three or four models, is that you do respond to the question. Now, you may or may not know the answer or may or may not have the answer with you. Uh, you may not like the answer, but you certainly must respond to the question. So be seen as, as doing that, uh, but don't leave it there. Yeah, picture wonder for a second, a, a clock face, you know, uh, uh, from 12 to uh, 3, 6, 9 o'clock on this clock. Let's say the question, the loaded question is at 12 o'clock. Very quickly, at, say, 2 o'clock on that dial, if you follow a circular process to this answering questions model, 2 o'clock, you emphasize. You, you put in, uh, hey, I hear you. What you've raised is important. That, it, it's critical we get this right. So there's the empathy. At 4 o'clock comes the response or the answer. Give the short answer. Yes, you're right. That number's wrong. Or no, actually, you've got uh, an out-of-date pack. Then 6 o'clock at the bottom of the dial 
is the pivot or the bridge. What I want to emphasize, and then moving over to 9 o'clock on this imaginary clock phase, there comes your key message. And want to not just the key message, the high level, but back it up with a, a new fact or an anecdote or story so that you recover and regain the room, if you will. Fabulous. So there's a loaded question. I empathize or acknowledge or note the emotion or something we agree on. I move straight to give some sort of answer to the challenge that has been posed. You know, I agree or I disagree or I got it wrong, we got it right. And then I move back to my main point. Um, so I connect over and then I reemphasize my key message. Sounds That's straightforward. Crazy. It's bridging with empathy. It's one of four models we teach when you, uh, in handling questions. Sometimes there's not a loaded question, so just simple bridging is adequate. You respond to the question, then you should perhaps return to reinforce your key message. Remember, though, the key message may be backed up by another fact or different anecdotes to give it, flesh it out a bit. So one model that hostile question model, what we call common ground. Second model, bridging, when you don't get the hostile question, but you do return to key message. A third model, a straight answer. Hey, every once in a while, somebody asks you a question, answer it and shut up. <laughs> and then lastly, the consultative model, where you get a question, you respond to it, you bridge around, you, you understand, hey, there's maybe more here. I can learn something. Uh, uh, this person has more to say. I need, so my, I may ask a follow-up question. Yeah, Bill, thanks for that. The short answer is uh, a dozen. Uh, but tell me, why, do you, why is that figure important to us? Or tell me more about what behind your question then you get that other person talking. If your consultation is your goal, that's a consultative model answer, if you will. Okay, so four grounds. Common ground, a bridging with empathy, um, just a flat-out straight answer, and then a consultative where I throw a question back to get the other person to respond. Now, this sounds like I better do a whole bunch of preparation for this event. How do you advise people to go about preparing? Well, um, be fair to yourself. Uh, there's this lovely proverb, a fool can ask a thousand questions a wise man can't answer. So you won't know everything, so just give up on that. I can't possibly. You, you need to be prepared. You better have your messages ready. But what can help you is a process we call audience analysis where, hey, I'm going into the room. I stop and think first, what's the, why am I going into the room? What, what is my goal or business objective here? Why am I having this meeting? And then secondarily, who's in the room? Um, and what are their perspectives? What are their concerns? You can, maybe you don't know who, everyone who's going to be in there, but you can approximate some of the concerns, priorities, feelings that may be in that room. And that will help you anticipate some of these questions and maybe even fold into your presentation some of that material. Yeah, I, I coach executives often to, hey, I know many of you here have deep concerns about X and Y and Z. And I, I've spoken with some of you, and, and there seems to be some real uh, concern around uh, K and L. You speak right to it and summon that dragon at the beginning of the uh, meeting and slay it. Okay, so know it in advance, what are the primary concerns, and then just name it up front before somebody can surprise you with it. Sounds like a smart strategy to me. Now, I presume yeah. this works as well externally as it does internally, say with clients or with public or even when you're testifying. 
Well, it does. In fact, today I'm uh, here in Dallas and uh, was working with a public company, two of their executive vice presidents, getting ready for their fourth quarter uh, earnings call, which will happen um, here in uh, another month from today or so. And these, we're practicing the Q&A for uh, handling calls from investors. It's true for meeting with uh, customers. It's true for uh, engaging with uh, the media even. Uh, so, yes, it does have application internally and externally and on a personal level as well. <laughs> now, there's a handy piece of advice. <laughs> I can imagine having an argument with your counterpart and how to approach the strategy along the way. can imagine that would work. All right, so let me go back to see if I can get a clear summary about this. The first point you make is that if somebody is angry, not responding in kind, that all that does is escalate. Nobody gets anywhere with that. And more importantly, your counterparts watching around the table have a judgment about you in that moment that may not be productive. So one of the components is to acknowledge the emotion that's present or to address the real concern. And sort of the sooner you lay that out and say, I understand your concern is with accuracy or whatever it is, the easier it is. And then we go to um, answer the question, if there is indeed an answer to give, like it's right or it's wrong, and then to bridge, to connect back to the key point that you wanted to make originally and maybe add an anecdote or a fact or an issue. And then the last piece that I can do is a consultation. Why was that important to you or what are you concerned about or some other version? I get a decent summary there. Absolutely. Wonder you're a pro. I, this is why you're running the show and I'm a guest on it. You said it better <laughs> than I could have. All right. Fabulous. So with me today is Ray Thompson, who's the principal at WPNT Communications, a global communications training program specializing in helping people do just about everything in communications, in the public and inside a company when the stakes and emotions are high. When we come back, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the delivery of the message because it's one thing to have this framework. It's another thing to know how you say it and how it's going to be received. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. 
Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Ray Thompson. Ray is principal at WPNT Communications, which is a global communications training program specializing in working with business leaders, with government officials, with national journalists, and sometimes even with political candidates. We've been talking about how you deal with conversations that are confrontational, where you get that really tough, high emotion-driven question that's often pretty hostile. And the general notion is not to respond in kind, that you want to stay calm, that you want to acknowledge either the emotion or the underlying concern that's there, address whatever question as best you can, and then reconnect to your core point, um, bridge back to it. Okay, so the general principle for that one. I know I can imagine that in this, in almost any communication, it's not the the way the words you say and the techniques you use are certainly critically important. But there's the other part of it, which is the way you deliver the message. In effect, how you say it, the tone you use, the posture you have, the way your personality comes through. So talk to us about how we get the you into the conversation in an appropriate way. Well, I, I know your listeners include a lot of very technical people who may be leading technical teams. You're going to be disappointed to be reminded that uh, the details and the facts and the data and the information uh, are not the biggest thing that sticks. What sticks with people is a net impression of you. Long after you've given your presentation, they're going to remember you, how you came across. Uh, Research tells us only fractions of what you say will be recalled. But your tone and your visual, what we call the you factor, it's the three V's, visual, vocal, and verbal attributes of the speaker. That's what really catches people. And uh, one, I'm happy to talk about each one of those components, but I would just start by saying we're visual creatures. Uh, we believe what we see more than what you say. So if there's a conflict, you say, I'm confident. But at the time you're saying that, you're retreating in the room or you're saying it in a weaker way. We're going to trust our eyes more. And so we'll, in that conflict, decide, eh, I don't think he is confident. So it's just the, it's the visual of me, what people see of me and how I'm standing, how I'm looking, but is it also the visual of the projection or the graphs or whatever that I have as well? Very much so. And your slides, the setting in which you're doing this, where you're standing, um, when we think of the visual, it's it, a big piece of it is the individual eye contact, gestures, Movement, animation, expression, posture, attire, all these things matter. And, boy, you know, I think the low-hanging fruit for people on this visual element, a couple of tips I would give your listeners, hey, strengthen and lengthen your eye contact in these meetings. Make meaningful eye contact with people in the meeting. Don't try to pan around and look at everybody. Pick a few people in sections of the room and make meaningful eye contact. When you do look to someone, complete the thought with them. Another thing on, on just delivery, gestures. You want to, you know how important gestures are to putting together your cognitive thinking, to, to making your arguments. 
gestures help you think and speak more clearly. And frankly, uh, in the act of presenting or public speaking, anxiety often makes us withdraw and, and we clasp our hands. And so uh, we lose some of our skills because we are not gesturing as we should be. So we're big fans of animation and, and gesturing. The vocal and verbal stuff matters too. Happy to talk about it. I'm going to come to that one in just a minute. I want to go back to this gestures because I must get asked a thousand times about my clients. Can you overdo the gestures? Yeah, can, but frankly, the technical people, the executives, the, uh, the folks we work with at the top of the house, it's so unlikely, Wanda, that it's the fear they shouldn't carry. Um, okay. You may have been told as a child or way back, I hear this all the time from CEOs who get up in front of a, in our exercises on camera and they're giving their speech and they've got their hands locked on that podium or lectern and they're uh, charging through their material reading the speech. Well, don't read the speech, but the hands locked on the lectern. I actually asked a guy one time, sir, I notice you're not using your hands at all. Uh, are you you're locked on that lectern? Yeah, yeah, I've been told my... my uh, gestures are very distracting. Who told you that? Well, let me think back. 20 years ago in middle school, an English teacher, not a speech coach. I don't think many speech coaches would tell you worry a lot about gesturing. Most who know their business will say gestures help enable you to come through and your message. And your message. So the likelihood one of, of overdoing it in gesturing for technical people particularly, is remote. I am so glad to hear you say that because I hear it like you do all the time. People say, I was told I use my hands too much. Okay, so we can drop that one. Now, the second question I always get when people are asking me this stuff and I'm coaching them is, what do I do with my hands? When I don't want to gesture, where am I supposed to put my hands? Any advice? Well, great question. I start with what you don't do. Don't lock them up in what we call a fig leaf position in front of you, down below your waist. Don't clasp them together behind you, uh, looking like you've been handcuffed. I try to fold my arms, if you will, and bring palms up. Bring them up above the waist and just get them in motion pretty quickly. Try. They should uh, underscore and emphasize what you're saying. So if you, it's a, it's a matter of getting started. So. Bring your hands and hold them up above the waist to the degree you can. Don't clasp them. Put them in motion early, and they'll do the job they're supposed to be doing, which is help the speaker. Gestures are for the speaker, not the audience. That's an interesting way to think about it because they put a point on what you're trying to say. All right. So we've got this visual component, which are the gestures, the way I look, the setting I'm in, the way I do an eye contact, which you said lengthen and strengthen that a few people and complete the thought with that person, the movements that you make. Now talk to me about the vocal, which is the third V. Well, your listeners know it's, it's all they're really getting here, what we say and the sound of what we say. Vocal, of course, we're talking about volume and pace, how quickly, the cadence or rhythm of your talk, the tone, inflection, enunciation, uh, emphasis. You know, they, um, in your business, I know, and, you know, in radio, they say you can hear a smile. And so uh, we use that. I think of vocal sculpture, of the contour lines. I said there were three Vs, visual, vocal, and verbal. The one that underlines them all is variety. So in normal human discourse, when people are talking to one another in their most common setting, interpersonal, 
there tends to be a lot of range in vocal activity and vocal inflection and variety there. But we see when people are anxious about presenting or communicating in a stressful situation or in front of others, they get quieter or they withdraw or they get in a monotone way. And so uh, too quick, the best tips I can give your listeners on what to do in the vocal area is add that variety. If you tend to talk fast, and I'm a pretty fast talker myself, sometimes talk slow. Slow it down. So vary that speed, pace, and all the elements. And lastly, especially for younger people moving newly into leadership and now having to present up, put some pauses in there. It's a great exclamation point. And when you can own the silence in the room, you've got command of the room. And that uh, confers authority on um, people uh, from the senior management to people junior to them. They'll be impressed. I've been told that we listen at a slower pace than we speak and that it's courteous to your listener to slow down. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, give them a chance to breathe. Interesting. And I love that phrase, if you own the silence in the room, then you have command of the room. I know that feeling when I'm giving a talk and I know I have the audience in the palm of my hands because you can soften your voice a bit, you can slow down your pace, and you just know they're with you. It is a lovely, powerful feeling for anybody who's ever tried it. If now, the I thing- may wonder, I, I'll jump in there if I can. That moment when you have them in the palm of your hands, In the business of speech coaching, which we're in, there's a technical term for that. We call it delicious. (laughs) It is delicious. I love it when it happens. It's not all the time. Now, most of the people that I deal with struggle, especially experts who've got a ton of details on their minds. They're trying to get it all out, rapid fire, blah, 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 and they're a bit nervous about it. Pace becomes a problem. And you said variety, but any tips at helping people remember to slow down? Yeah, it's, it's what happens in public speaking. You know, the fight-flight mechanism is triggered and we're just anxious. And breathing, deep breathing. I like the work of Amy Cuddy. I'm sure you've talked about her before and power poses to get command of the endocrine system and the you know some of the biological components of anxiety, but deep breathing and once you once you learn how to pause, begin to play with it, you'll enjoy it enough that you'll work harder to get it in there. Okay. So there's a bit of pre-work on, for those who don't know Amy Cuddy's work, the notion that you take a power pose like a Superman or a Superwoman pose and hold that for a couple minutes before you go to a meeting or on the phone or in front of an audience and that that helps you feel more confident in the doing of it. And it comes across your voice even if we can't see you back to the vocal component. But getting control of that anxiety before you stand in front of people or sit in front of people and then to learn to use the pauses. I love that. Okay, before we take a break, tell us about the last V, the verbal. Well, this is what you say. And, you know, as um, I said in the earlier segment, we want to hear speakers who connect with the audience, who talk about the audience's concerns, find common ground by addressing the feelings in the room. Certainly, that's what's going to 
create a listening posture among your audience by speaking to the what's in it for me or what's important to the audience. That gets them to listen. That's when you then follow up with key messages. And you, those messages should be flagged and emphasized. So for us, the verbal components start with common ground, then deliver key messages, back them up with facts and data. You've got to have the evidence. And stories, anecdotes. You know, great communicators are great storytellers. So look to harvest stories around your workplace or in your organization, stories that breathe life and credibility into the messaging you're delivering. Other just quick tips, flagging statements. You know, if you're in the midst of a presentation, people have begun to dial out perhaps. A statement like, the key point here, or an an element I'd like to emphasize that gets people to tune back in. I also, lastly, am a fan of rhetorical questions. It pulls people back in, and by that I mean, hey, many of you may be asking yourself, what are some of these tips? Or I know some of you in this room are maybe thinking X, Y, or Z. That gets the audience to lean back in, helps you reacquire their attention span, which is what you're after, after all. Well, this one, Ray, is packed with advice. So the three V's to focus on, the visual, meaning how I look, what I do, what I say, eye contact, my gestures, my hands, the vocal, the way I use my voice to draw pauses, to get a pace, to get the tone, the inflection, the emphasis, creating a sculpture around with the words and the tone of my voice, and then the verbal the way I structure the content. So you've talked about things like starting with the common ground, the common concerns or the feelings, giving the key messages, giving then the facts and using stories. And I should add, um, as well as rhetorical questions, I should add last week on our show, I had Mitch Diftkoff, who's a specialist in innovation, mm-hmm. and he's discovered that storytelling is the driver for a lot of things, particularly around innovation. I'll leave that one for listeners to go back to that show. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break here, and when we come back, I want to turn this up one more notch, which is, so here I am, a technical expert, and I got to go up and meet with the CEO. How am I supposed to think about engaging the CEO in conversation? With me today is Ray Thompson from WPMT Communications, and we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together 
to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Ray Thompson, a principal at WPNT Communications, a global communications training firm. Ray works with business leaders, government officials, national journalists, political candidates, and a whole host of other people on just about every form of communication you could imagine. We've been talking about, first, how do you deal with those confrontational conversations, particularly when they're in public, and to keep your cool and navigate through some very tough questions that get lobbed at you. And then we were also just talking about the delivery factor. What are the key components of the delivery factor? And the basic formula there is three things to remember the visual which is you the setting and your uh, graphics if there are any to the vocal the way in which you use your body or your voice excuse me and then the verbal what you say and how you say it and how you structure it all right so now I want to turn to a very particular and a very difficult form of communication in a place where I watch way too many young leaders and expert leaders as well stumble so you now have to go and present something of technical detail often to a CEO or someone else in the C-suite. They're often three or four steps ahead of you. You probably haven't had a lot of exposure to them or to the board for that matter. It's a similar process. So knowing what they want to hear, how they want to hear it is probably you're not pretty well versed in it. So I want to focus on how do you think about communicating to a CEO in a way that engages him or her and gets them to believe you and follow your recommendation even more importantly. So, Ray, you talk to CEOs all the time. What do they tell you they want to hear from people within the organization? What are the biggest complaints they make? Well, yeah, I'm, when I do get uh, with C-suite executives, I always try to make time to say, sir, and sadly there's too many sirs, not enough ma'ams, but sir, what advice would you give young people or staff or personnel or folks who present to you? And I, I've asked this question for two decades, and, and I, it falls into kind of three buckets, Wanda, that I hear over and over and over again. Busy CEOs, and I'll, I'll enumerate these first. 
get to the point. What is your point? You know, these are busy people, and they don't want to know how you came up with the process. It, don't bury the lead, as they say in the newspaper business. Put the headline up front. So, number one, they're asking, what's your point? And start with the conclusion, then build out the argument and material. Second thing I hear from CEOs is, are you sure? They want reinforcement. They want to be reassured that you've done your homework. If you're coming in with this idea, what makes you confident in it? And so uh, telegraphing some of those credentials. You know, CEOs don't like surprises, and their job is risk management and keeping risk down. And so they want to be sure you've done your homework. Homework, And that's why sometimes you get these penetrating questions. Uh, have you checked with the Southeast region? Uh, did you speak with Bob there? He, he, I used to work with Bob. That kind of homework and detail you need to be ready to give. You don't lead with it, but you have it ready. And often, sir, we've got lots of backup here. Happy to go in more detail. In fact, we did talk to uh, several folks who I know you are interested in their view on this topic. So... First, what's your point? Second, are you sure? And the last one, what do you want? <laughs> what, what do you need from me? What's the ask? What am I supposed to do to make this happen, or what shouldn't I do? And um, they want to move through that pretty quickly. And so knowing what the call to action or what the recommendation is, CEOs and folks at that level don't have a lot of time just to sit around and get updates. They want to know what needs to be done. I hear this all the time from the senior leaders that I work with who say, look, I can help anybody, but you have to ask me for what you want. And if you're not asking, I'm not doing anything on your behalf, that's for sure. And I'm often stunned when I say to people, so what do you want someone to do? How limited the answer is. Usually it's agree with me, which is a terribly helpful action. Okay, so one is get to the point. What's the headline? What's the conclusion? And then to be prepared to answer why you know you're sure. And to say it, I'm sure we've done our homework. And the three is to have a, what do you want somebody to do for you? So now, here I am with an expert, as an expert. I've gone through pages of analysis, weeks of work. Um, I've distilled a lot of information to come up to this. How do I know if my message is to the point? How do I know when it's too long, when it's too flaky? Mm. You've got to prepare, and uh, technical people in particular, and, and numbers people, and engineers, and um, scientists, you, you've got to do your homework. You've got to be confident in the facts and the figures and the arguments you're making. So, yes, that's not wasted time. But then distill it, crystallize it down to its details. You know, for many people, less is more. And if you've, we talked earlier about understanding your audience and and analyzing who's in there, what are their concerns, what's on their mind, what's driving them these days. If you've done some of that analysis with the CEO, with your meeting with the CEO, what's driving the organization? He's, He's looking outside usually. What's the stock price doing or how are our key customers? If your material can at least consider the stuff that's important to that CEO, CEO, you've gone a long way in distilling what he wants to hear. So generally less is more. Start short. Be ready to go long if needed. You know, I love the old saying, I would have written you a shorter letter if I had more time. (laughs) It's that idea. 
I got it. I got it. All right. So let me give you an example. Um, there's a woman that I've worked with for a couple of years. She is a deep expert um, in a particular analysis. Um, she looks, she presents regularly to the board and she knows that the board is making critical decisions for the business. I mean, really fundamental, critical decisions for the business. And a lot of what goes into making that decision is some of her analysis. She gets stumped at how could they possibly make that decision without getting the depth that I see here. So what's your response back to her? Well, be sympathetic with that CEO. You know, often they come up through the ranks. They used to run, say, this young woman's department. They, and if they had more time, if they weren't so swamped today with so many actions and decisions and meetings and demands on their time, they'd love to go deeper into those details and meddle. But you have to set aside, don't you, as you move up the ranks, the comfort of complete knowledge of all that went into the decision. And now the decision often is, are you comfortable with the person? And have, are you comfortable that they've done their homework? And so they'll test you. you know, are you sure here and there? But you know, I think she'd be well advised to reinforce credentials and why she's confident. And if she's, uh, if she's going to find herself in that corner office, perhaps one day or as well, and she'll find that, gosh, I'm just swamped with too much to do, and I don't have time to learn everything that's supposed to be learned. I have good people around me to do that. I love that, that you say that you make a judgment whether you're comfortable with the person. Um, and I certainly know CEOs, CEOs that I admire, who will say, I want the ability to dive deep on an interesting number, for example. But then I want to come right back up out of that. And I'm not going to pick everyone. I'm just going to pick the one that's interesting to me. It's my way of testing that you've done your homework. Do you see other tests that CEOs do? You know, that question, can you handle the question? They're, they're saying, can I bet on this person? I'm looking at, you know, will this person stand up under fire? And, and what kind of a person have I got here? So, yeah, the tough question. There may, you know, you may be put in a difficult environment in which to present. Yeah, you know, I, I think of people who present up as kind of the fighter who fights outside of his or her weight class. You know, a, a person who weighs 150 pounds should fight someone of similar size and weight. But when you're presenting up, you're a smaller person, if you will. You're presenting to people more experienced, more senior, more expert, more highly compensated. And that's you're pitching up. And in that role, uh, you've really got to show those credentials. You've got to show some confidence. And you've got to come in clear about answering the questions you know are on that CEO's mind and, and really spend some time Working to understand the CEO perspective and the, and the board's perspective will help you a great deal. Yeah, I, I love just a simple technique of calling around the organization. Hey, Joe over in accounting, I'm going to be talking with the board soon about this question of X. I know you've talked to them before. What do you think the board's thinking on this? Uh-huh. What do you think some of the perspectives are? That way you're able to tell the board you've spoken with Joe and you'll get valuable insight as well, Wanda. That's a great technique. You know, I often say to people, Ray, that um, 
the best person to tell you what the C-suite folks are thinking about or your communications folks internally because they prepare them for the investor calls, they prepare them for the town halls, they prepare them for the board meetings. They know exactly what those folks are thinking about and worried about. Yeah, you're right, so right about that. And, you know, I think more people should, inward people in running departments should look at the company from the outside. If you don't, if you don't regularly listen to your, if you're, it's a public company, you should regularly listen to those quarterly analyst calls. It's a treasure trove of information on what's important in your organization. And it is a great source, and those communications people are. Try to hold the same kind of focus that your leadership team does and look at your work from their perspective. I um, I say to people all the time, too, if you want to do an easy networking thing, just make a comment. You know, go, you've listened to the quarterly analyst calls. You run into some senior mm-hmm. executive, and you just say, hey, I noticed on this call that you said or that somebody said, what do you think about and I was thinking about. It's a fabulous way of raising your profile on the process. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, it it is, and it just shows, hey, you don't just worry about your department. You're thinking about the larger enterprise. Exactly, exactly. All right, so we're going to take a break here, but let me see if I can summarize this advice. So here you are trying to present to the CEO and get something done, moving it forward quickly. The first piece of advice from Ray is to recognize that the CEO is making a judgment about whether he or she is comfortable with you as a person, as opposed to comfortable with the facts and figures of what you've done. So the judgment about you comes first. In line with that, then you need to help that process with three things. One is to give your headline, what's your conclusion from the start? Two, be prepared for the questions that have to ask, are you sure, and be prepared to say why you're sure, or to give your credentials, or make sure the CEO is not going to have any surprises as they manage risk. And then the third thing is to be very clear on what your ask is. What do you want the CEO to do or say as you walk out of the room or before you walk out of the room? Okay, so we're going to come back. When we come back, I want to talk about the one last piece about communication when things are tough, and that has to do with gender, what women say and what men hear, as well as vice versa, what men say and what women hear. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you want more information on the coaching and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. If you are interested in finding out more, you can also purchase a copy of the forthcoming book or any of Dr. Wallace's current books by clicking on the links under the resources tab on our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're also sure to find some handy links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. 
Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it and profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K. on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Ray Thompson, Ray is principal at WPNT Communications, a global communications training program. Ray works with a whole range of people on just about every continent on things from investor roadshows to crisis response to testimonies to media presentations and on. We've been talking about communication when the stakes are high, namely when the emotions are high or when you've got to stand in front of an audience and have give a credible presentation, how do you do that in a way that's going to work? And then more importantly, we've been talking about how do you communicate to the C-suite in a way that's going to get you the kind of response, the credibility and trust, and the action that you're looking for. So now I want to turn to perhaps maybe one of the most interesting parts of communication, which has to do with a cross-gender. So, Ray, we all have the sense, I certainly have the sense as I work with women and men in the organization, that oftentimes what men say, women hear in a funny way or hear differently. So what's your experience? What is it that you see women say that men hear differently? Wanda, I know I'm going to wander into some stereotypes here, but I think it's been well documented in our Council and research is based on that research, but we see it as cross-cultural communication when you're communicating men to women or women to men, and you know these were just brought up differently, and so language and words. We talked earlier about visual, vocal, and verbal things that uh, communicators do between the sexes. There are differences, and those differences in communication styles can have a big Im- impact on that impression. So, you know, to be granular for just a moment, you know, the, well, take Sheryl Sandberg's lovely work around lean in. It's just physically get on at the table. Don't sit alongside the wall. This is a visual activity and participatory. There are a number of reasons uh, without casting blame or saying what's right or wrong, but there are things that women often do that men interpret um, incorrectly, I think. So when women or anyone says, you know, you might consider or what I feel we should try to do or uh, what I'd like to to try and accomplish this afternoon, those are soft words, aren't they? Might, like, feel. And 
those are used often by people who are good communicators to include the group network and, and bring a team together. Men incorrectly sometimes hear that as a lack of confidence. Uh, she's not sure. And uh, so these hedging words, uh, sometimes that's the kind of thing you want to get out of your vocabulary, just one example. And, and so stronger language, I, I, we will or we are, that can help. That's, that's just one approach, Wanda. Okay. And do you have other things that women do that undermine their, com- their projection of confidence, I guess I want to say? Well, thanks, yeah, and and as I said, there are visual things, vocal things, and verbal, and just on the verbals, you know, there's um, just that process. We talked earlier about detail and versus headline. There does tend to be um, a trend or evidence that uh, in communications with management that uh, women will often, and I'm stereotyping here, women will often give the process and the detail of how they arrived at a conclusion and then give the conclusion. And this is for both men and women. The advice is, as I said earlier, put that headline up first, uh, then elaborate on the process. Don't bury the lead. I think there's also, I think a lot of women are reluctant to advertise their credentials. And uh, I don't see that as big a problem with men. And so I often counsel my senior executive women to, you know, be sure and let it be known that, hey, I, uh, why do I feel this way? Well, when I ran the XYD, XYZ division in um, Asia-Pacific region, I spent six years there. I got to really know our lead country managers, and I spent a lot of time working in those functional business areas to understand fully how our business operated. That's a lot more granularly granularity and detail for credentialing than, well, I spent some time in Asia, so I'm pretty confident. So I, I, I really encourage people to not be bashful about signaling, hey, here's why I'm sure about what I'm saying. So, Ray, you're talking about not putting the detail in how I came to the conclusion, but putting the detail into my credentials. So you're basically saying, I'm giving you reasons why you should be comfortable with me as a person and my conclusions. True, but I might also add to that a bit, Wanda, in that I also encourage, you know, uh, use that technical jargon, show you're fluent in the you know, geology speak or the, uh, you know, uh, speech that is associated with your industry. I know that jargon and technical stuff. You do need to have your message well-developed. Your argument needs to be supported. Uh, but it's a matter of telegraphing that without overrunning and giving too much detail. Does that makes okay. sense? So- that makes sense. So there's a limit on this one. Okay, now, Ray, we've got one minute, but I cannot help but ask, are there things that men say that women hear incorrectly? Yes, <laughs> and it goes both ways. Um, but I think sometimes men uh, will say things that sound more confident than they really are. And um, I think women will often, you know, uh, there's men, I think, grow up uh, losing more often. Uh, they uh, competitive sports, and, and this is changing, thankfully. We're getting more women in senior leadership roles, but oftentimes, uh, you know, I think men have an experience of losing and then getting over it and moving on and working well together, not right. allowing that 
to interfere with their personal relationship. And so when I say lose, maybe not get their promotion or have their idea knocked down, hey, that can't be debilitating. Uh, get over it and move on. I think sometimes men may be better at that than women, partially because growing up, say, in sports where you're going to lose often and you get over it. Ray, thank you. That is fabulous. Um, I feel like we could keep talking for another hour. So with me today is Ray Thompson. He's uh, principal at WPNT Communications, a global communications training firm. Ray, thank you for this. It's been fabulous. There are so many highlights in here. It is hard to point to one, but I'm going to go back to this notion of the visual, the vocal, and the verbal as sort of the headline for how to think about communications, particularly when things are tough. Next week, we're going to be talking with Hubert Saint-Ange. The focus is about influence, but more importantly, how do you take actions that make people open to receiving your influence? Join us then. Thank you again for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Take charge this week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.